Bloody Elbow presents the sixth round post-fight show, which gives you an event rundown and full analysis of the bouts that took place on the current weekend's UFC event, complete with hot takes, possible next fights, and reactions to the overall card. Paid Bloody Elbow podcast Substack subscribers will hear bonus content, if available, at the end of the broadcast. Be sure to subscribe at bloodyelbow.substack.com for our newsletter and at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com for our podcast network. Follow us on Twitter at Bloody Elbow, Facebook at facebook.com slash bloodyelbowblog, and as always, on bloodyelbow.com. Thanks for listening. Here are your Bloody Elbow fight analysts. Hey everybody, welcome back to the 6th Round Post Fight Show with me, your host, Zane Simon, and my co-host, as always, Eddie Mercado, coming to you all from the end of UFC 298 in Anaheim, California, and the feel bad for old guys night of the of 2024 so far yeah. we've had a lot of big rooting moments last week we got uh jack hermanson going out there and <clears throat> doing it for the old dudes but uh there was a vibe there was a vibe in the air going into this i picked volk and i was still just like man there's a vibe that Ilya Tapuria just seems like he just seems like he's the right man in the right place at the right time to take this belt. I didn't want it to be true. I felt mm. it was true. I didn't want it to be true either. I just didn't want it to be fucking true. And no. I picked him too. Yeah. For exactly why he won the first round. Sure. I I will say right now, I'll be the idiot. I thought Topuria might have taken the first round for the low kick damage that was enough to make Volkanovski have to switch stances. But whoa, 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 whoa. Volkanovski always switches stances. Yeah, but he was hiding that lead leg. Uh, he was definitely he was hiding. Being smart. He was being he was addressing it. He was addressing but, yeah, it. He was addressing it. So I, my feeling was it was an it was the more telling damage because Volk had to address it. Topuria didn't really fight like he had to address anything Volkanovsky was doing. But, you know, I, I'll, I'll, all three judges scored it for Volk. I easily thought that there was a, a very good argument that Volk should have won it. I was just being weird. We'll just, we'll just leave it at that. Either way, man, Volk got slept. He got slept. I thought he was fighting really smart. I thought it was a really good idea to stay on the kicks and to try and stop uh, Topuria's pressure with a kicking game. I thought it was especially a good idea to focus on the high kicks that would force that right hand to stay at home. You know, that felt like a really good idea. But the thing was, and this became more apparent in round two, and it was really what started getting me worried, was that Volkanovski was not doing anything offensively that was forcing Topuria out of the pace and the pressure that he wanted to have. Topuria was getting to fight his fight his way, even if Volkanovsky was putting a lot out there in front of him to deal with. It was a fight that Topuria was not getting uncomfortable with at all. And for a young, powerful, confident fighter like that, getting to have their fight, it's a little, you know, it wasn't nearly the same. It wasn't nearly the same level of, like, age or clowning or anything like that. But it's a little bit of the Anderson Silva-Chris Weidman one vibe where, you know, Anderson Silva didn't do awful in the first round of that fight. He landed some okay shots and stuff, but he didn't do anything that dissuaded Chris Weidman from just walking him down and trying to hit him as hard as he could. Yeah, I mean, I think Volk started to land his leg kicks. When he started to attack yeah. the calf himself, he was finding success. Sure, he found success. It's not... No, his his volume did seem a little hollow. Although, yeah. I don't know, though. I don't know, because that jab was starting to bust open the nose of Taporia. That yeah, jab was, was landing. It was good stuff. I'm not saying it was bad. I'm just saying that... It wasn't it wasn't like Volk versus Holloway in their third fight or Volk against uh Ortega 
in their fight where he was making he was creating a pace that the other his opponent <laughs> just could not deal with. Toporia seemed like he was coping at all times. Yeah, well, you gotta respect the power, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean Toporia is just he's good. He's good, you know? And he's the best at this moment. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm writing right now. While I'm, I was actually glad you took a minute because I'm writing up my editorial right now. Which little teaser for anybody tuning in is just all about how difficult it is to go from the champ that beats the old guard and the current guard, or the current contenders, to then beating the next wave, the new breed. Almost nobody does it, you know? Like, DJ beat uh, Horiguchi and Cejudo the first time they came up. You got GSB picking off Johnny Hendricks. You have John Jones with his uh, his Anthony Smith, Reyes, Tiago Silva, or Tiago Santos run late in his career. But they're like the only dudes out there. Pretty much everybody else. Anderson Silva, he, you know, he was wiping up all the Chael Sonans and Yushin Okamis that you want. But when it came to Chris Weidman, you know, Jose Aldo beating the Ricardo Lamases, the, uh, you know, the, the, uh, Chansung Jungs, all the, the guys that were the contenders of his day, Max Holloway comes along. That's the end of the Jose Aldo era. Like, Well, Conor McGregor did that, right? Conor McGregor, too. Conor McGregor and Max Holloway, both, were the new breed. And it's a, it is so damned impossible to be the champ that beats the guy who has had your who has had your picture on his on his heavy bag from the day he stepped into the UFC you know like Volkanovski won the belt a year before Tapuria ever got ever made his UFC debut yeah you know that was 2020 wasn't it yeah Volk won his title in 2019 yeah so every year that t- that Topuria has been the champ in his, or every year that Volkanovski has been the champ, Topuria has been looking at him, being like, "I am figuring out how to beat this dude," and that's that's a hard task to to meet that guy and win. You want to hear a hard truth? Sure. Volkanovski's one in three in his last four fights. Yeah. What? You go from being the pound for pound best, arguably top two, top three, to being one in three in your last four, two of them being vicious knockouts. Fuck, that's weird, right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll say that note here. Amanda Nunes did it too. It is true. Nunes Nunes did do it in uh, women's feather bantamweight. She's really the uh, only woman to do it, and you could you know there's an argument for uh, Shevchenko as well. But of course, the, the the unfortunate thing for fighters like Shevchenko and even Demetrius Johnson is they didn't really have a previous generation to beat. But you to know. your point, that's exactly why we will never see John Jones versus Tom Aspinall. Yeah. We will never see that, ever. It is It is exactly the kind of fight that Jones is not interested. He wants to do the, the uh, you know, he wants the steep A ride out into the sunset. And, and he would do Brock Lesnar. <laughs> sure, yeah, he would do Brock Lesnar. That's about it. But, yeah, it it's just... That and that was the thing too that I was looking at here, and it is hard to, it's hard to you know it's hard to shake that vibe where it's just like man, if Volkanovski can beat Ilya Topuria, like that is actually a huge mountain to climb. It doesn't feel like Topuria is like a way better fighter suddenly than Max Holloway or something like that, but it is a a dude that has been watching Alexander Volkanovski his whole career and being like, 
I want to try to beat this dude. And it's the perfect time. Yeah. Perfect time. Like coming off that loss to Islam. It is the, there's the timing. There's all the, uh, the, there's that X factor and Volk came back really quick and you just, you know, it felt like there was something in the air that wasn't great for it, but it's also just a huge hurdle that most fighters don't, even great fighters tend not to clear, you know? Yeah. It just sucks to see it. It does. I'm, suck happy. I'm happy for Taporia, and it was sure. a knockout, wicked it, knockout. He's going to be a hell of a lot of fun as champ. I mean, Featherweight has just had an insane run of elite champions. Like, we went from Jose Aldo to, <clears throat> to uh, Max Holloway to, you know. You might as well say his name because Taporia called him out. I know that. Conor McGregor can barely make middleweight right now. Conor McGregor is like, he is going to be calling out Michael Chandler at 205 pounds in the next two months. What a waste of time that is. I can't yeah. call out Conor McGregor. Yeah, but to go from Aldo to Holloway to Volkanovski and now to Topuria, like I, I'm, I'm thrilled to see what he can bring to the table because that's, you know, it's just an awesome run of champions for that division. I love bantamweight and all that, but featherweight champs are they that division is getting all the best champs, you know? Oh, for sure. Does do they run it back right away? I hope not. That's fucked. That is fucked, Zane. That's fucked. You're telling me the guy who's been actively defending his featherweight belt and- Goes up and tries to take the lightweight belt, makes it debatably close. Hold on, makes it debatably close. Okay, then goes and defends his belt a fucking again at forty-five, and then saves a show by taking a fight with Islam on short notice in Abu Dhabi, wasn't it? It was in Abu Dhabi. Like, come on, man, Eddie. What was the? Oh my God, can you believe it's that that you just read to me five minutes ago? <laughs> what was it? I know, but here's the thing. <laughs> what was it? You didn't even say it. What was it? But if you if you only look at divisionally, <laughs> divisionally speaking, divisionally speaking, it's his first loss. You can't count those lightweight. <laughs> oh, suddenly, suddenly, Mr. Numbers game over here. <laughs> The numbers are the numbers, but if we're talking about the division, right? Divisionally speaking, unless yeah, the I'm just like we were just talking to. He's just coming off two back-to-back knockouts. Like, you know what? If he wants to wait six months, and I know that—that's the other thing that, that drives me a little nuts here too. Is Volkanovski and his whole like. I can't slow down without feeling like the rails are going off of my life thing. But like, if he wants to wait eight months and somebody else can challenge for the title and then he can go get a rematch himself, like without having to even take another fight. Okay. But I do not want to see Volkanovsky back out there in like four months time fighting Ilya Tapuria again. For his health. Look at you. I, it happened. It's old man Volk. It happened. It happened. It ha- I, I hate to see the old guys taking the L, and you know. I don't think he's old though. I think Tapori is just that dude. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, I hate to see. I'm not saying like he's old, old. I'm just saying I hate to see the the guys that are, you know. No, I feel I weird. I, I don't want to see the more millennials getting beat up by these goddamn Zoomers, okay? I don't want to see it. I want to see... It's like, I feel like Volkanovsky has earned the right to get that immediate rematch. Like, he's earned that right. He's earned it. But yeah. I also don't want to see him get slept again for the third time in a row, and he starts going down a Tony Ferguson path. I don't want that yeah. to happen either. No, because I, I just it. I think you I I think you got to find 
you find Volkanovsky another fight, and it's a top contender's bout, and he wins it, and he gets a title shot again. Well, next week you got the Yair rematch with Ortega. Sure. Yeah. And that's probably the number one. Yeah. And then Evloyev's out there too. Yeah. But, like yeah. no one gives a fuck about that. No. No. Nate, you know what you do? How about this? You do Volkanovski Arnold Allen. Because everybody feels bad for Arnold Allen that he got passed over from his big moment that he was supposed to be the next contender when he couldn't get by Holloway and then couldn't get by Evloev. And if that had been a five-round fight, then, <coughs> sure. you know, sure, something like that. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, find a fight that somebody else is going to feel like is a really big moment for them. It's a moment for Volkanovski to get his get his groove back. And uh, then we go and replay the, the uh, rematch. And in the meantime, that the, the only problem there is, I guess, like... And he gave all those chances to Max Holloway. I know, I know. Get his belt back, you heartless bastard, Zay. That is the other problem, is, too, you got to ask yourself, well, then who the hell does... Ilya Topuria fight like Max Holloway. People are like, oh, Max Holloway, that's it. he gets another chance. That's like he's booked, he's booked to fight Justin Gagey in a fight that most people do not think Max Holloway is about to win. I don't want to see, I mean, I want to see it, but it, it it makes me it, it reminds me of what happened when Max fought Dustin the second time. Yeah, Ugh, that was gross. Yeah, was gross. otherwise, you know. We've got, yeah, Yair versus Ortega, which I guess... I would rather see Max Holloway versus Ilya Tapuria. Yeah, than the winner of Yair versus Ortega. And well, I, and instead of Gaethje Holloway also. Sure. And then otherwise, I mean, the reason, you know, I, I would be a little weird about seeing like Evloev Volkanovsky is I do feel like Evloev is the best new contender on the rise that... Nobody wants to get the fuck out of here. I, Dana White hates him. Dana White hates him. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. I don't hate him at all. I'm apathetic to him. He's just yeah. Of all the but, exciting people we have there, he's but who is you know? There, there. The problem is, is that nobody else is really rising in that division. After that, you've got Arnold Allen coming off two losses, Josh Emmett coming off a win, but you know. He's already been beat thoroughly by Ilya Topuria. Well, that's why you have the Ortega and Yair. That has I know. to be. Has to I'm be. just saying, I'm talking like rising talents in this division that are set to be a new contender. There aren't any right now. I wonder if he would actually fight Giga Chikadze. Yeah, I knew you were going to pull Giga Chikadze out there. You, Homer. I had some Georgia on Georgia action. Yeah. I mean, if Giga can get himself back in the cage and win one or two more fights, sure. But anyway, it is that is a problem that we have here versus Ortega, so maybe they'll fight Topuria, even though he is ab- adamant that he will fight neither of them. And... <laughs> Yeah, he says he won't fight Yair, Ortega, or Holloway. And they are, all three of them, the clear right contender right I now. I am also fine if Deporia wants to go right on up to 55 and pull a Connor and challenge Makachev for the one sure. strap. Sure. I'm fine with that. I would love to see that also. That would that'd be pretty be, fun. That'd be so I, clear. He wins the belt and then just vacates, goes off. To we play. have also heard... Sean O'Malley, as as uh, somebody else mentioned here, Sean O'Malley wants to fight Ilya Taboria as well. Ooh, I love that also. Of course, That's Sean really O'Malley not only has a title fight booked, but they've now promised Marab really very publicly that he will be fighting for the title next. But you never know. You see that they they need the big events. I wouldn't be surprised if Marab's fighting for a vacant title. Yeah, you think you think that, uh, like you know what? All right, thirty-five. Fuck this weight cut. I'm going to forty-five. He is. He is a tall dude for bantamweight. He is. Yeah, go throw hands. Five Let's foot see. eleven. In fact, 
Does he have the same? Does Max? Does Max Holloway have? Max Holloway is the same height with a three inch shorter reach than than Sean O'Malley. So, Sean O'Malley Max Holloway would be an awesome fight to see someday. I feel like by the time we get it, it would be too late on Max. Yeah, yeah, I know. All right, all right. Let's move on. Talk about this co-main event: Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa. Not only did the judges get it right, which I'm happy about. Yep. But they even got it right in that two out of three judges awarded Paulo Costa the first round, which I am very happy to see. I could have gone. I gave the first round to Costa, but it, it yeah, could I did have too. easily gone. the it, it, Won every second of that round up until that wheel kick. At the yeah. End. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. then he gets wheel kicked. He does a little stumble. And what does he do? He starts fucking bobbing and weaving and throwing yep. back. I'm like. I've never seen somebody recover that quickly, especially from a Paulo Costa blow. Like, yeah, was it was crazy. it was a great performance from Whitaker, but it's also like that to me is the perfect way that damage wins the round should be considered. Is that Whitaker did he won ninety percent of that round, but Costa was competitive in it. It wasn't like he was getting blown out. He was just losing most of the round. And then Whitaker got hurt really bad. And for a, as, for, a, for a second, but he still got hurt really bad. Yeah. And I always, like, I, it sounds stupid, but I think that MMA, sh- you should be trying to me- judge MMA. Our goal as fans should be to get things judged as close to a street fight as possible. Like, I know that sounds dumb, but it's just like if this is five minutes and you're looking at this as a fight and you're just like, oh, who got their ass beat in this fight for five minutes over five minutes? You're going to you're going to you're going to have to give to the guy that almost knocked the other dude out. Like percent, you know, 100 percent. I will take that accumulation every day of the week versus like doing a stanky leg. Like I don't ever yeah. want that to happen to me. I would rather get cut. I would rather have my eyes swollen, busted yeah. nose. All I would take all of that, any kind of flesh wound over any kind of shift in equilibrium that physically yeah. alters my my being. Like, yeah. That. It's that's the idea is that you want yeah, round winning behavior there. Exactly. So I'm glad to see two out of three judges gave it to Costa. And then Whitaker, the rest of the fight, they had a very similar kind of fight where Costa was in it. He wasn't just getting blown out of the water. But Robert Whitaker is just cleaner and better. And when he's not getting hurt, he's winning this fight. And um, he had more steam later in the rounds. Yeah. Costa petered out at the end of the rounds. And yep. that allowed that allowed Whitaker to step on the gas a little bit, just enough. And I think Whitaker was more crafty, more true to sneaking in those calf kicks. Uh-huh. They were both throwing beautiful leg kicks, both effective, both welting up the other guy. But Whitaker was just far more effective with it. Whit- Whitaker hi- hides his strikes. That's the big thing is yeah. that when Costa got kicked in the leg and where he got punched in the face, it was something he didn't see coming. He and could Whitaker hit Whitaker. Was checking. He was checking yeah. some of them. We, he, and even when he was landing, they could they could hit and hurt Whitaker, but they were always they were always shots he saw. Yeah. So he wasn't where it didn't look like he was getting hurt as bad most of the time. Whereas when pa- Costa would get a shot with laying clean on him, it would like snap his head back, or it would you know he he'd have to shake his leg out. And it's just you know Whitaker he the man when he is in rhythm. Those counter combos he was landing, it is just so goddamn slick. And like, you know, Dominic Cruz had to have scored it for Paulo Costa, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because Whitaker's yeah. nose was bleeding. He, right. cut, he, he jabbed him in the eye with a thumb, caused his eye to swell up. I mean, that's damage. That's yeah. how it works. And that goes through all the rounds. It does, yeah. You you know, 
happened. You get damaged in round one. It's still there in round three. That's round three damage too. Yeah. So it works. <laughs> the champion says it. It must be true. This was a fantastic fight. It was. Great, yeah. great fight. And I, I'm so glad both guys showed up. Well, Whitaker always shows up, but, you know, Costa can be a question mark at times. Yes. Costa looked – he looked absolutely rock solid and confident that he could hurt Robert Whitaker in round three. He didn't – you know, he still faded towards the end of the round. He still – you know, there's still problems in there, but he did not at one point go away and stop throwing with power and determination. No, he did. Um, so back in December, I was in Vegas, and I uh, I spent some time with Coach Eric, right? mm-hmm. Captain. We uh, we were just hung out after the fights, and uh, you know, we were talking about Costa and what was next for him, and and. He was like, man, he really wants to fight Robert Whitaker, but I don't want him to. I'm like, why? Of everyone you can fight, you want to fight the one guy that has like phenomenal striking? Like, yeah. He really didn't want him fighting him. But Paolo was insistent. Like, that's what that's what Costa wanted. That's yeah. what he wanted. He got what he wanted. I, I will say credit to Costa too. He came in, he came in with low kicks and he came in with a jab that was way cleaner than I've seen in any of his fights before. Like mm-hmm. he was a much cleaner, more technical fighter. But Whitaker, like, like I say, he just has a rhythm to him that very few fighters achieve. Where when he is clicking, you would see like Costa would throw a one two at him, and Whitaker would just slip, and he would reach back with a one two that would snap so fast and so fluid that Costa had no idea what was about to happen. Honestly, that might have been part of his undoing here. Like you're Paulo yeah. Costa, what the fuck are you doing throwing jabs and fucking calf kicks? Don't yeah, yeah. storm his castle like Drickus Duplessis did. Yeah, fucking knockout. That is, I mean, that is the thing. That we say that I've been saying about Drikus all last month, it feels like, which is just like, man, it is amazing how brave and pig headed that dude is that he can take the shots he takes and just keep going after people relentlessly and storming them. You know, it's a street fighter mentality. Yeah. He's fighting. That's a fight. He's not out there competing. No. (laughs) Dude is fighting you. It's, It's primal. Yep. Great fight. Good win for Whitaker. Lines him up to be to stay right there in the in the contender status. He wants Drikus. It's unfortunate that the uh for him that it seems like Adesanya versus Drikus is very much on the UFC's agenda in the near future. Yeah, in three hundred USC. Yeah, well there's a presser going on right now. They're, they're supposed to be announcing this stuff. We are missing it, so I can see if I can get Twitter pulled up here, see if people are talking about it. But um He can fight Sean Strickland. Mm-hmm. And that fight needs to happen. And I can't believe it hasn't with all them damn yeah. matches he's had. Bobby that, like, come on, man. Okay, Dana White has he has bailed on the UFC three hundred fight announcement, so that's not a good sign. Yeah. I'm just seeing some tweets that says, Dana White says that there's still one more UFC 300 fight to make, but he can't announce it yet. Is it the headliner? I would assume so. Yeah. Oh, wait. The main event is Pereira and Hill. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. So there you go. Alex Pereira, Jamal Jamal Hill. Hill. Okay. Let's go. Uh, yeah, I'm glad they got that fight done. Fire. Makes sense. Okay. Yeah. Who you got? Who you got? Who you got? Who you picking? Oh, I'm picking Pereira. Definitely. No question. By triangle uh, submission. Yeah. <laughs> and not even like the submission, just like the the arm will pop out or something, right? Yeah, there you go. All right. Now let's talk about this welterweight fight. Ian Gary, Jeff Neal. 
And um, split decision. Yeah, I don't like that. This this felt like a a pretty solid Gary win for me. I, did I give Neil a round? I might have. I almost gave him the first. Let me see. I think I did, but I, I never remember the first round. The first round was really close. Yeah, um, I just Neil's. His his biggest moments of success were either catching some looping punch upon entering the clinch, or just some wall install tactics. I think I gave I think I gave Neil round two actually. Um, I thought Gary looked pretty sharp in round one, and round two was just ugly. And then uh, uh, so I just leaned Neil. And then gave Gary round three pretty clearly. But I thought I, I was much more on the side that all three rounds could have gone to Gary than I was that Neil had to get rounds. So, yeah, that was a little odd seeing the, uh, seeing the split decision there. That knee to punch combo Gary was landing, that was so sneaky. It really was. It just, it's just too bad that, like, you know, Connor brought it up uh, on Twitter. I saw my my partner over on the Vibby. That it was kind of, it was really frustrating to see Neil have these little flashes of brilliant offense, and then fall into some really classic bad defensive habits that I had kind of thought he would have broken or had broken. You know the way he backs up with his hands down and circles out, and gets it caught on straight lines doesn't actually doesn't tend to pick angles that quickly and sharply and neil made him pay for that a lot in this fight and really kind of gary what gary made him pay for it no neil made gary pay for the fact that neil or the that gary oh, back the brilliance yeah gary had the flashes of brilliance and then he would just back up with his hands down and neil would swarm after him with hooks and just kind of crack him or clinch him up, and it's just like, like we, we. Well, that's that's what got Volk melted tonight. Honestly, yeah, it's exactly what got him done. Exactly, and so for Gary, like, yeah, it's a win. You, you, but you had a fighter here, like you. Wonder Boy set a very clear game plan for you, Ian Gary, of. Sl- sliding around Jeff Neal with small angle adjustments and just countering him over and over for running on straight lines. And Gary kind of did it mostly, but it wasn't nearly as pretty. No. Um, he had to earn it. <laughs> he had to earn it. <laughs> but I mean, he- that's kind of just Gary's style though. He's always kind of out of control. Like he's, he's, you know, he's trying his best. Yeah, yeah. He made the smart thing. He made the smart move that I called out Colby Covington after. That was a perfect move. Yep. Like, Colby doesn't have any knees anymore. Yeah. <laughs> he barely looked like he wanted that last fight. So and... it's like, you got one guy with all the movement, all the footwork against someone who's, who's immobile. No, that's great. Because honestly... Not only stylistically, um, you know, in terms of like age, uh, Miles and striker versus grappler, it's a it's an awesome matchup. But if you ever wanted to get back into the good graces of the public, who do you need to fight? Colby <laughs> Covington. Man, it it is two dudes with two of the most annoying affects out there. I don't even like hate that they, a lot of the stuff Gary has to say, but the way he says it, the way he delivers it is just so like, ah, oh, man, you have most annoying zoomer on TikTok energy all the time. <laughs> uh, you know? no, he's a cool dude, man. I, I, I got like, I got no problem with so much of actual, like what he's saying, you know, him jumping on uh, what's his name Neil Magny. Neil Magny was just like Neil Magny like that was the dumbest thing Neil Magny ever could have said. He didn't. He set himself up for that. Sure. 
but then the but the way he did it is just this whole like like reaction video vibe and it's just like right. man, you know come on sure sure yeah he was doing i think he learned a lesson though i hope so i think he learned a big lesson because yeah the shoe was on the other foot for a while and you know i think that was really tough to kind of overcome and he pulled out of the fight with vicente luque mm-hmm. so <laughs> i don't know man <sighs> He might kick Colby in the head. No, I know. If he finishes Colby, he'll like, he will become a fan favorite. Mm hmm. I hope. But yeah, it was just a fine fight for Ian Gary. It was, it was a good stylistic match that he set himself up to win and he just didn't blow it out of the water. Yeah, he didn't botch it. He fought pretty smart. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That brings us to a bantamweight bout. Merab Dvajvili, Henry Cejudo. And, uh, yeah, this was just, you know, this was, this, was, this was an impressive version of the fight that it was set up to be. This is Merab Dvajvili setting himself up for a fight that he could really take and absolutely taking it over. Henry showed up. Henry did show up. Henry showed up. He showed up. He won the first round. Yeah. He was ready. He was ready to try and take Dvalishvili and stuff him and go, you know, take the fight to him and sting Dvalishvili, rocked him, mm-hmm. make Dvalishvili pay for all that output that he puts out there without the power. And that output just, it's just crushing. Dvalishvili mm-hmm. fights at a pace that it makes no damn sense, you know? Yeah, he's got a serious motor. Best motor in MMA, probably. Absolutely. I mean, he is doing for wrestling what Max Holloway did for striking, you know? It's C-level cane to shame. Yeah. This motor is seriously next level. He's got a diesel. This guy, it's a man. It feels, I mean. Get this guy a title shot already. Yeah, you're talking like Sean O'Malley. He might be fighting for a vacant title. Yeah, I you know, if I'm the winner of Vera versus um, of O'Malley versus Vera, I'm not going to want to fight Marabdvajvili. Nobody should ever want to fight him. I couldn't believe Peter Jan accepted that fight coming off those losses. That blew my mind. Yeah, but yeah, um, I'm pretty sure Aljo's moving up. If O'Malley's moving up, who's left? It's going to be him and Sanhagen for the belt. Yep. Yep. Which is fine with me. Yeah, let's start the Murray fight. Era. I say if, if if featherweight is the division that always gets the best champs, bantamweight is the division that always gets the best contenders. That division is just like a conti- a continual pipeline of elite level top contenders all the time. The whole division is just contenders, really. Exactly. <laughs> it's a fantastic division. It is. So. Yeah, amazing performance from Dvalishvili. Just turning it out, wrestling Cejudo like that over the last two rounds. I mean, I know he probably that lifting, broke. That lifting, you lifted up Henry Cejudo and put him on your fucking shoulder like a yep. child and paraded him around the octagon while talking to Zuck. What? Yeah. That's some alpha shit right there. I know he probably broke Cejudo's arm in there too, but he oh, broke yeah. Cejudo's arm. Like, that's... You know what was it? Okay. I believe there was a body kick at one point early in the fight that he it went straight across Cejudo's left forearm as he blocked it, and then the whole the whole forearm started to turn purple mm-hmm. and swell out. Yeah, man, what a great fight! Yeah, great fight, great performance from Dvalishvili. I hope he gets his title shot. I hope he gets it against O'Malley, but yeah, who knows what's going to happen there. O'Malley has already talked about fighting Tapuria, and uh, you know there aren't actually a lot of really awesome title contender options at featherweight right now, just because that division has a bunch of old guard that uh, everybody's seen fight for the belt before. 
Nah, but we've never seen a fight to Puri for the better. No, we've never seen it. It's not terrible. It's not a terrible situation. I like it. It's just, you know, I understand why Topuria, I also understand why Topuria is like, I don't want to fight Holloway, Ortega, or Rodriguez. I don't care about these guys, you know. I get it. I don't like it. Necess- I, I would like to see him fight those guys. But I also get that, like, we have seen them in the title picture in some form for the last five years. And it does feel like we could use fresh matchups. Yeah, and I'm I'm like I said, I'm I'm perfectly content with these champions moving up in weight. Sure. All right. That brings us to a middleweight bout, Anthony Hernandez, Roman Kopalov, and Man, I was almost right on this. I was Yeah, so you took Kopalov? I took him by body shot KO. Oh, nice. He hurt him to the body, definitely. No, so close. That fluffy is just He's a dog, man. I mean, we talk about, like, we're talking about how Drikas Duplessis is not out there, like, competing. He's out there fighting. Yeah. Hernandez is not half the juggernaut Duplessis is, but he is all the same amount of dog. Like, that, that is the same mentality there of just yeah. nonstop, I am going after you. I am going to make this fight. I'm going to break you one way or another. Man. What a tough out, dude. He's yeah. He was getting he was getting tagged. And even when he started when he started marching Kapalov down in round two, he was getting beat up in that in those exchanges too. Like he was walking through a bunch of fire and he was just you could see him smiling about all of it. Mm-hmm. It was a very Billy Quarantillo like performance. Because you're watching him getting beat up, but he knows that Kapalov is running backwards all the time. And he can see in Kapalov's eyes how much Kapalov hates everything going on right now. And that's all that's important to him is just like, you hate this. I'm going to do it harder. I'm going to do more of it. And, it, you know, it paid off. Yeah. he uh, Kapalov couldn't command the cage, couldn't keep the distance that he needed, um, which – didn't give him the time he needed to set up his strikes. He was he was forced to make these quick decisions and just get in where he fit in. And, you know, that's exhausting, number one. And two, it's like only a matter of time before your feet get crossed up and you fall over. And next thing you know, you're stuck on the bottom and you got Fluffy on your back. And, you know, and credit to him for fighting off that first rear naked choke. But that second mm-hmm. one was fucking dead to rights. Yeah, Fluffy smiling at him and yeah, awesome finish. Really awesome. I don't know what's the obvious next fight. I'm guessing you know Kyle Bahio. No, no, no. You've got an obvious next fight. Brendan Allen, come on. Yeah, I mean Brendan Allen's also already booked to fight Marvin Vittori, and he's ranked winner of that. He's ranked seventh with, you know. Kapalov barely like scraping the bottom of the rankings right now. The winner or loser. Come on now. What's this streak? Five we gotta do up? we gotta do the, the rematch, the LFA rematch between them. One, two, three, four. That's five finishes in a row. Like, come on now. Yeah, I mean I'm ha- if if they can convince the winner of Vittori Allen to face Hernandez, who will probably be ranked what uh 14th after this, 13th, then great. I, I'd love to see it. Otherwise, you know, fights like Imavov or Hermanson are out there. Bahio, Ch- Craig Winner. I would actually love to see him fight Kamzat Chimaev, but you know Chimaev is not. I mean, Chimaev can only fight like twice a year when the UFC goes to the UAE. So Hernandez either lines up with one of those rare dates or that fight is not going to happen. I think I think maybe you put him in there with like Robert Whitaker. Damn. If if he's not going to fight Sean Strickland. But you got to think like Whitaker's fought everybody already. It's true. It's true. I just don't think that the I mean I would love it if the UFC really gets behind Hernandez after this but I just think that 
everybody ranked in the top 10 is just going to look at him and say, nah. I know. It's, a, it's very little upside. Yeah. No upside to fighting a dude like that right now. But I hope he gets a good fight after this. Whatever he's in, I'm just going to watch it because dude is, he fights like a madman. Yeah. All right. That brings us to what got fight of the night. Amanda Lemos versus Mackenzie Dern. Wow. Yeah. And uh, this was like Connor and I talked about this on the Vivius, the two true outcome featured prelim where either Dern is getting knocked out or Lemos is getting submitted. And it was basically just three rounds of us seeing those two true outcomes where Dern was either getting absolutely teed off on standing or Lamosh was getting absolutely outgrappled on the mat. No, it's true. Um, aside from the third round where Dern landed that overhand, that knocked yeah. over Lamosh. But uh, if, if this were five rounds, Dern would have won. Mm-hmm. Dern wins this if it's a five rounder, which it probably should have been. In hindsight, I wouldn't yeah, yeah. going in. I'd be like, "Why the fuck have we got this five round main event?" Or you know, I would shit on it. But hindsight, this probably should have been five rounds. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm at the point now where I'm going to argue that any anytime you have two top five ish fighters fighting one another, it should be a five round fight. Or they should just run a bias. Except for light heavyweight and middleweight. Yeah, just at least run a bias. Run a bias. Maybe not heavyweight, light heavyweight. Maybe a couple middleweight fights out there that I'd be like, nah, that can be three. Yeah. But if it's a... That's all. If it's like a featherweight top five fight, I'm just going to be like, of course it's five rounds. I don't care. I don't care if it's your prelim opener. It's five rounds. Yeah. So... Yeah, this was, you're probably right. Dern was coming on. She is absolutely unflappable. And, uh, ooh, I do, you got to mention this. Somebody talking about his potential, like Anthony Hernandez, Bo Nickel. Ooh. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Got to love it. It would be, (laughs) it would be a good time. Wow. That is the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I'm here for it. Mm. But uh, yeah, Lemos Dern, you know, you gotta, you've got to put her away. If you don't, she will just keep going after you forever. I picked Dern here, and I picked Dern here because not because she's the better fighter, but because no. she has the better fight cue. Amanda Lamoche got submitted standing up, and I couldn't pick someone who got submitted standing up against someone like Mackenzie Dern. It's um, fair. It's fair. And I was like, man, I was afraid Dern was going to get pieced up, and she got pieced up. And there was a moment where it looked like she actually quit the fight. Yeah, no, she went down holding her face, and yeah. it's like that's, that is a TKO moment right there. But Lamoche, showing the low-fi cue, followed her to the ground. Yeah. slipped. Like, what are you doing? So that's the reason I picked Dern. No, it makes sense. The wrestling the wrestling and grappling is clearly baked into Lemosha's game as a safety valve, which is really weird because she's not good at it. It's just like, you need to just, your safety valve should be just stepping back and getting out of the way. You don't need to be diving in on anything. Just step back and hit somebody really hard. Yeah, that's the game. She but needs to watch some Chuck Liddell videos. Yeah, get that get that other hand out there poking the eyes. Right, the Chuck Liddell got inducted into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, next murderer. Shout out to him. I, you know what? I know that the I know the UFC era of his career was not that special, and it was marked by some scandal. Well, it was great for the wrong reasons. It was, it was, yeah, it was a lot of the Chael Sonnen drama. The, he was the butt of his UFC career. Yeah. He was the butt of the joke for his it, UFC run. Yeah. He was, run, legendary. I, he was my first favorite fighter, you know? Okay. I started, I started watching this sport. He was the first, he was the dude. I was like, yeah, oddly enough, 
He is the uh, reason I am a MMA fan as well, but not because of him, because of his fight with Vitor, where Vitor stormed his castle. Oh, yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? And I've been hooked ever since. Yeah, for me, it was him versus Rampage, where he would just... The first one? Trying to think, which was the one where he left Rampage, knocked out through the ropes? Yeah. Is that the first one or the second one? I think that was the first one. Yeah, it was just like, holy shit. That is so violent. Dude, he fought Mark Hunt. <laughs> I know. Dude, that was such a nuts fight. Mark Hunt did the atomic yeah. butt drop on him. Dude, that was so wild. The best of times. <sighs> all right, all right. Talk about this heavyweight bout. Marco Sergio de Lima, Junior Taffa. Big respect to Junior Taffa taking this fight on a day's notice for his brother after his brother got injured. Did they do this before? But like no. in the reverse order, they never no. done this before. No. Hmm. I will, I will, I will pick up what Ben folks was saying over on Twitter though. Uh, if you're junior Taffa after the, for like the next month, anytime you need a beer, anytime you got to get something at the grocery store, anytime you got an errand to run, you need a blunt rolled. <laughs> you're calling your brother and you're being like, yo, bro, can you do this for me? I take care of it. But man, my leg is hurting so much for those, those kicks I took for you. <laughs> man, those are bad. Yeah. Lima. I mean, it's bad when you got a heavyweight TKO from leg kicks. Fuck. <laughs> That's serious. You're talking like ligament damage. Yeah. I mean, I part of me wonders is like, would a fight camp have helped temper him to prepare this him for this? His time you know? might have been sharper. He might have attempted to check kicks or been aware yeah. of to prepare for him. I mean, sure. Um, because it, it that's really in some ways to me like he ate one and it was just like oh you can barely stand now you yeah. know which is the name of the game it it's is these yeah. heavier heavier weight classes light heavyweight heavyweight it doesn't take much I mean Marcos Jose de Lima is a is a damned golem out there the dude is just yeah he's built like the thing yes so yeah. Good win for him, rough outing for Taffa, but hey, he stepped in, he kept a fight alive. It was messy, but it was fun, whatever, you know? Yeah. Far from the worst fight on this card. And he bounced back from that Derek Lewis flying knee. Yep, <laughs> yep. That does bring us to the worst fight on this card, however. Rinya Nakamura, Carlos Vera, and... Uh, just a terrible booking. I didn't think this was that bad of a fight. No, no. thought this was terrible. Like I get that. I get that. High stand dropped out, so you've got to find a replacement. But you've got a wrestler who's too inexperienced to really know how to do anything other than top control against a pushover guard grappler who's not a good enough guard grappler to actually make anything happen from guard. No, you're right. It was boring, but there were there were some cool leg entanglements. There, there were some cool entanglements, but it was just it was a absolutely booked for deadlock, you know. True. True. Yeah. But I will say, um, how about the self defense on display, though? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Very self defense, you know. Somewhere, some guy in you know some. 280-pound guy with a black belt with 15 strikes on it is looking at Carlos Vera and being like, that's my boy. Got that street self-defense. <laughs> Taught him that. Hey, at least he attacked some cool shit, right? Yeah. No, he it was... Like calf slicers. It was... It was it, he was trying some very fun outside-the-meta stuff, and there's a reason that it's not the meta right now. And that showed up pretty clear, which is just that even a pretty raw fighter in Nakamura could just be the better athlete and shut it down. Yeah. And a smart grappler. Yeah. Very wise. The way yeah. 
because his his um just his acknowledgement of his knee and the center line yeah, and, yeah. and those leg entanglements. I think he did a fantastic job of navigating that. Not he an easy thing to do. All right, that brings us to a light heavyweight bout. Zhang Mingyang, Brenson Ribeiro, Hibero. And uh, Hibero looked good for like a minute. And uh, then Zhang realized that he should probably not be moving backwards. And then the fight ended. Well, not wasn't it? He got like poked in the eye, and the ref wouldn't wouldn't do anything about it. So he's like, "Fuck it, I'll just end it myself," and went and just knocked him out. Yeah, <laughs> he was like, "Oh, you're not gonna give me my time for my eye poke? Okay, fight over." Yeah, fair enough. Either way, I'm uh, <laughs> stupid jokes aside here. But yeah, I mean, Jean, oh, this card had Zuck. Yeah, that's right. The cuck. Here we go. Oh. <laughs> I didn't say who. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Fine, 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 fine. Uh, Zhang Mingyang, it was fun. It was a fun. It was awesome. It was two glass cannons in there together, and the, uh, the one that throws straighter punches won the fight at the end of the night. Yeah, fair. And he called in his debut win. Yeah. Pereira, <laughs> right for the champion. I love that. Honestly, like, it's your UFC debut. Nobody gives a de- – we always say, like, oh, have a name, make a call out, yada, yada, yada. But it's your UFC debut. Nobody cares. You're not going to – your next fight is just going to be against anyone in the division. You're not going to get any kind of – you beat another guy making his debut that nobody cares about. It's not going to be anything mean, meaningful at all. Might as well do something people remember, you know? Yeah, call the champ, especially if he keeps doing it. Like, if he yeah. keeps winning, keeps knocking people out, and keeps calling out the champ. Sure. Pretty soon, the champ's going to have to address it. I mean, that was the Drikas Duplessis thing, right? He's, yeah, you know, he's looking wild and sloppy, but he's calling, he's under Adesanya's skin all day, every day, every day of the week. And eventually, you know, he was supposed to get that fight. He couldn't take it because he got hurt. But he got the the title shot against Strickland right after anyway. All right. That brings us to a welterweight bout. Danny Barlow, Josh Quinlan. And uh, it was hard to watch. Yeah. I mean, I feel for Quinlan. I like his style, but he's got real short arms and he's got this inside boxing style. And he's been he last duty fought was six foot five with a seventy seven inch reach, and then this dude is six foot two with an eighty inch reach. John Jones is six foot three with an eighty four inch reach. Your heavyweight champion is one inch taller and has four inches of reach on this welterweight dude. Yeah. Barlow is huge. And <laughs> Quinlan, he had so much trouble getting inside. And every time he wasn't, he was eating huge shots. And it just ended up not not paying off for him. So those flying knees were nasty. Yeah. Those flying knees. The way he was he was timing them was fantastic. If if Barlow can you know, clean up his tactical adjustments and his technique just a little. He can be a huge problem in this division. Dude he is, broke his arm out there, didn't he? Yeah. Said he broke his arm and his hand. He was uh, he talks like Boomhauer though, so it was <laughs> really hard to track exactly what he was saying. I did like how Quinlan went out on his shield. Like he just yeah. was like, you know what? Everything I'm losing doing isn't working. Yeah. I'm I'm getting stuck out at range against someone who's picking me apart, who's a better athlete. And he just went for broke and overextended and took a chance and paid a price for it. But I respect it, honestly. AJ Fletcher has been cut from the UFC. I'm I am afraid to say. Sorry. Fletcher is the the uh, the the true T Rex UFC fighter carrying on the the Sean Shirk legacy. But uh he is no longer in the UFC. 
All right. That brings us to a welterweight bout. Oban Elliott, Val Woodburn, and um, this was the – these guys really shouldn't be in the UFC event of the fight of the night. Like, just a completely sloppy, weird-ass fight. Oban Elliott was clearly better and still barely clinging to the wind by the skin of his teeth. <laughs> yeah. Just, just an, just a, an absolute mess. He, it was way closer than it probably should have been. Exactly. Like Elliot could take Woodburn down anytime he wanted and easily outgrapple him, and then every time Woodburn got up, he would wing like one wild overhand, and Elliot would stumble around, and then you'd be like, "Oh my, what it, what is this?" I feel like part of that was Elliot's corner. I feel like they gave him some shoddy advice there, at least in the third round. Yeah. Um, when Elliot had the full mount, the the mounted triangle was right there. And his corner specifically told him not to go for it and bail on it. And so well, he didn't go for it. And Woodburn got up. Woodburn has no neck. There I is that problem. You put him in a triangle. Yeah, yeah, the triangle. <laughs> Yeah, the triangle is for it is a submission that works even on the it necklace. Is the giant slayer? Yeah, but it. I, I do remember that escape you're talking about too, and that was one of the most ridiculous. Like you literally just let this dude slide out from under you for nothing, right? Yeah, so. it's. Uh, but yeah, not a great fight at all. No, terrible fight. All right, and that brings us to a woman's flyweight bout: Miranda Maverick, Angela Lee, or Andrea Lee, and uh, Maverick finally kind of starting to put it together. Not, yeah. you know, she's been she's been you know with Elliot Marshall for some time now, and seems to be settling in, and she isn't in school. Yeah. Oh, we lost you for a second here. Oh wait, I froze. There we you go. You did. Yeah, no, so Miranda, she's not in school anymore. She's got a lot more time to focus on fighting and, you know, settling in where she's at. And aside from that suplex, <laughs> she looked pretty damn good out there. Yeah, she she looked solid. She kept yeah. uh, her strategy. She just stayed faster than Lee, which is the, the big thing for anybody fighting Lee is that she's really foot slow. So just don't stand in front of her. And That's Maverick did. that wasn't that wasn't the best look at the no. also. There's still points where Maverick is still like, you are a way better athlete than this person. Why are you walking why are you getting away from the things that are working into things, situations where you just don't need to be? Yeah. You know. No. Cool but, fight though. Cool enough. Yeah. Not a great fight, but that a solid fight. win. And here's the thing. I feel like the, the most fun parts came from Lee. Yeah. The round winning material was all Miranda. Anyway, that wraps up the car. We've got a new featherweight champ. That's the big news here. The Volk era is at an end. Maybe he gets an instant rematch. I would rather that Toporia gets another fight or two in between and Volk maybe takes some time off or whatever. I know he's earned the right, but, you know. You're fearing for his safety, which is crazy to think. Yeah. A year ago, you would have never said that. Seeing him get yeah. knocked out twice in a row, losing three of his last four. Yeah. That's tough. That's a hard truth. It is. It's a hard spot. It does feel wrong. Doesn't I don't think Volk's about to retire at all. I think he's going to be riding this train for a few more years but you know who didn't retire henry cejudo he didn't get a chance i think oh really uh, yeah i think i saw a tweet about that just a minute ago that dana white was talking about how the uh they 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 messed up by not giving cejudo a chance to retire in the cage Oof. so Eek. yeah or maybe he's done it so many fucking times. They were like, yeah, yeah there's yeah, that too. I, I mean, I think Cejudo will retire. I think he has, I think he's been pretty clear about exactly where he stands. And he's been this kind of guy for a while. Like he retired with the belts. He sure. is a fighter that very clearly wants to be chasing bigger prizes all the time, constantly fighting upward. 
or he's not interested. Like and when he retired. Exactly. Right? He lost he lost he was he lost his TPA. He's like, you know what? This is it. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not fighting for the belt. I'm not fighting for titles. I'm not doing this. And Sudo's always been a dude that just seems like he ne- he doesn't want to be the king of the mountain fighting off challengers. He wants to be the guy that is always fighting up to the next challenge and facing the next big difficult test. And you can't do that if now you've lost a couple fights in a row and you're just going to be in that contender mix at 37, 38, facing whoever the next hungry challenger is. Like, yeah, you know? It'd have to be like saving a show or something. Yeah, he wanted to be, he wanted to win this fight, fight for the belt, fight uh, O'Malley, and then fight Alexander Volkanovsky. That that was his dream goal. No title defenses in there. No, you know, staying Maybe around. The move. Not for a long book time. Cejudo. Yeah, book but book it. Nah, it's, it's, book you it. know. Book ah, it. All right. Book it. To access the bonus content of this show, you must be a paid subscriber. To do that, go to bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com and subscribe today. Thank you for tuning in to this Bloody Elbow Podcast production. Subscribe at bloodyelbowpodcast.substack.com. Give us your email and receive notifications when your favorite shows drop straight into your inbox. We're also found on a wide variety of podcast outlets. Just search for Bloody Elbow Podcast and you will get new shows throughout the week, including the MMA Bunker and MMA Tete-a-Tete shows with Kid Nate, the Level Change Podcast, the Hey, Not the Face Podcast, the MMA Vivisection main card and prelims UFC preview shows, the sixth round post-fight show, the Show Money podcast, and the MMA depressed us.